Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. Um, but uh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. And I, I'm going to get right into it because we, you know, I, I like to get a feel for the room when I walk in. And when I walked in and I saw all of you all uh, and how young you are, God led me to something totally different than I had planned. Um, and so I don't even have a sermon topic because I just thought of it while I was sitting in the seat. Um, and, you know, normally I would have a sermon topic and, um, and um, you know, Mario play music and I'll start singing or something like that. But I don't even know uh, what I walked into, something is happening in this place. Something is happening in this place. And, uh, yeah. and it, it, would, it wouldn't be strange if everybody was the same. I see different nationalities. I see different age brackets. I see a hunger for God. Um, I see the altar flooded for worship. You know, most people don't come to the altar until they need something. It's amazing to see a group of people at the altar not asking God for anything, but just to say, God, we want more of you. That, that's amazing, right? Um, it's amazing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple of verses out of the Bible. And, um, and we'll just figure out what God, I, I, maybe I'll name the sermon somewhere in the middle. And we'll do that. But in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, and I'm reading, what version do you I have up? You have the King James. All right, let me go to that. It says, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and his nurse took him and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. So what's happening is, uh, is um, uh, Jonathan and Saul are off at war. And uh, when the news uh, got back that they had been killed, the nurse that was taking care of this guy, whose name was Mephibosheth at the time, she drops him on the ground. And uh, the reason why God gave me that is because he's five years old. And for the rest of his life, he has to deal with something that happened to him when he was young. And the Lord led me to that because a lot of you all are at the age now that Mephibosheth was when God switched it for him. So in the beginning, he's dropped at five years old. By the time you get to the end of the story, uh, when you go over to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, by the time you get over there, you see him sitting at the king's table. And I thought, you know what, I just thought about this up here. What if I preached about from condition to position? How does that sound? That sound all right? All right, what, what if I preached about that? That's what, I, that's what I want to preach about today. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for all that you've done. We thank you for the spirit that's in this place. Now, God, have your way. And in all of our getting, help us to get understanding. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. 
Right, so Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. Now, this is important. This is important because Jonathan is the son of the current king of Israel. His name is Saul. Now, Jonathan is a prince. He should be the next king of Israel because hierarchy and monarchy says that the son, the oldest son, is next in line after kings. And, and with this being Canada, that's good because you all understand hierarchy. You, you, you all understand parliament. You understand things of that nature. And so uh, Jonathan should be king. But how many of you know that God always has another plan? And God's plan always supersedes man's laws. So even though man's law says that Jonathan should be next, God turns around and changes the law because he is in charge and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and he goes around the king because he is the king of kings. And even though Saul is the king and Jonathan is next, God somehow takes David and replaces him with Jonathan. And it doesn't look like at the time that David even has what it takes to be next. Where when God finds David, David is somewhere out in the field tending sheep. And when Samuel gets to the house, all of Jesse's sons, just like the praise team, was lined up. And he was coming to look to see who was next in line to be king. And he gets to one guy who's tall, Eliab, and he looks at him, and he's handsome, the Bible says, and he says, this must be the guy. Now watch this. He picks the next king with his eyes. First mistake, because those are the same eyes that pick Saul. I'm going to talk to you young people about the danger of choosing with your eyes. About the danger of choosing with your eyes, because... Your eyes are the keys and the doorway to your soul. And, and we as young people, we choose by eyes. We pick who looks best. We pick who has the best clothes. We pick who's got the best reputation. We pick who has the best car. We pick with our eyes. But God didn't pick his king with his eyes. He picked his king with his heart. And, and, and that's why the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart because God doesn't look at the appearance, God looks at the heart because sometimes people are pretty outside but they are ugly inside. And, and when, you, when God has given you a destiny, when, when he's given you a destiny, destiny always comes from the inside. So you've gotta be careful not to allow the inside of you to connect with the decision you made from outside of you. That's what happens here. And so, and so God usurps that. He puts, he puts David in there. And David is now going to be the next king. And, and everything is happening. And, and now David, but, but David doesn't know this yet. David doesn't know he's going to be king. Right now, David is in training. And I want to tell you, young people, you're in training. You, you don't know that you're king next. You don't know that you're queen next. You don't know. See, because you're, you're 19 and 20 years old now, you don't know that the decisions you're making now could adversely affect your destiny because just because you're in college doesn't mean you're not a CEO yet. And just because you're single doesn't mean you're not a wife yet. Come on, help me. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. This is for all the single ladies. You're a wife before you get a husband. How many, how many uh, teenage women in here, young women, you're, you're teens, 20s, raise your hand. 
20, 25, anybody 25, 26, 27? See, you, you may be single now, but you're still a wife. You're still a wife. And, and just because you don't have a, a wife yet, you're still a husband. You've got to start performing in that action before you get the job. David doesn't know that killing the lion and the bear and that fighting the giant is his training ground for being king. He doesn't know it because when God is training you to be king, you feel like an outsider. When God is training you to be king, you feel rejected. When God is training you to be queen, you feel insecure. When God is training you to be queen, you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. And everybody else sees your potential, but you don't see it. Why? Because in training, God always has to hide you from yourself. He has to hide you from yourself. He has to hide you from yourself. And he has to hide you from other people. Why? Because God has a blueprint for your life. And so he hides you from people who want to touch you because he doesn't want their fingerprints on his blueprints. Give three people a high five and say, God is hiding me. God is hiding me. There's nothing wrong with me. God is hiding me. I'm not single because something's wrong with me. God is hiding me. They won't hire me because God wants me to start my own company. God is hiding you. Somebody shout, I'm in hiding. So while David is in hiding, Saul and, Jez, and, 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 and Jonathan, they go out to battle. And that Jezreel, Bible says that the battle must have gotten hectic because they didn't return. Pastor Kofi, they, they were killed. Now, at this time, we must know that Mephibosheth has a great life because the dude got a nurse. Now, I don't know about y'all. My mama worked at Taco Bell. We, we ain't even go to the doctor, let alone having a personal nurse. <laughs> and if we got sick, my mama said, you better go pray about it. Right? Now, we, if we got sick, mama, my mother literally, she, there was a, a medicine, and doctors, uh, he, Dr. Ralph may know this, there's a, a medicine called Father John's. Have you ever heard of it? Father John's is a brown medicine. She thought that stuff cured everything. I said, mama, you got a heart attack? Take some Father John's. Mama, you got cancer, Father John's will take care of it. She gave us the same medicine for everything. So this guy is well-to-do. He has a personal nurse that is taking care of him, and she is bathing him at the time that the news comes in that his father has been killed. And when the nurse heard that the king had been killed, she dropped him. She dropped him, and the Bible says from then on he was laying in his feet. I want to, this is the only excuse I'm going to give you young people for the rest of the day. The rest of the day I'm going to make you muster up the energy to get yourself and get ready for destiny. But, but one thing I do know is that some of the things that are wrong with you right now is because when you were younger, somebody dropped you. Somebody dropped you. There's a young lady in here right now that doesn't know how to accept love because your father was not there for you. And then there's another young man who doesn't know how to be a man because you were looking to your father and he was not there. Or maybe your parents were divorced at an early age. Or maybe, maybe your parents don't get along. Or, or maybe, maybe you looked in the mirror and, and you didn't like what you saw. And, and perhaps your, your skin was too dark and so they made fun of you at school. Or because your hair was kinky and curly, they made fun of you. Or perhaps because, see, and all dysfunction doesn't happen because you don't have anything. Because sometimes your parents will have means and you'll be around people who don't. And then they'll make you feel bad for having stuff and they don't. 
So there's pressure on both sides and, and there are people who are struggling in apartments and there are people who are struggling in mansions and, and, and the devil knows how to get into both arenas and right now Mephibosheth is struggling because somebody dropped him at an age where he did not know what was going on and because of that he is lame in his legs and now the Bible goes silent on him because when you're lame nobody wants to help you. That's why the man was laying at the gate called beautiful begging alms and people walk past him every day and that's why the man was laying on the bed for 38 years and nobody put him in the water why because when you're lame nobody wants to help you when you've been dropped nobody wants to help you when you're insecure nobody wants to pray for you when you don't have transportation nobody wants to give you a ride when your heart is broken nobody wants to date you when you've got certain conditions going on in your life nobody wants to be there to help you and the Bible says this is my favorite part that all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and somebody David sends somebody to go and ask this question here it is is there anybody left from the house of Saul don't y'all miss this don't miss this he has been hidden he is lame, nobody cares about him. He goes from having a nurse, he goes from being rich, and now he's poor, he has nothing, nobody knows him, but God hasn't forgotten about him, and God sends somebody to knock on his door and says, I have been told that somebody related to Saul still lives here. Is there anybody left from the house of Saul? Don't you miss this. How did he hurt his legs? A fall. And then God does what? Knocks at the door. Listen to this. If you're taking notes, don't forget this. After every fall, there's always a knock. You don't believe me. You need Bible? In Genesis, Adam and Eve sin. That's called the fall, right? They bite the fruit. They fall into sin. That's Genesis. By the time we get to Revelations, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and... Because after every fall, there is a knock. You see, in the world, when we fall, they forget about us. But in God's economy, when we fall, he knocks at the door and says, if you will come to me, that there where I am, there ye may be also. If you need more Bible, go to John chapter 14. The Bible says in chapter 13 that Peter is getting ready to deny Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you're getting ready to let me down, but don't let it get you down because in my father's house there are many mansions if it were not so I wouldn't have told you and if I go to prepare a place for you <clears throat> that there where I am there ye may be also God did not leave Peter in sin he did not leave him down on the ground he knocked on the door and he went and picked Peter up and then gave him an opportunity to preach at Pentecost and I'm telling every person in here that no matter how far you have fallen into sin God will never leave you nor forsake you and if you will trust God there's always a knock after a fall touch somebody say there's a knock after a fall there's always a knock after a fall. He always comes and he, come, he comes to pick you up. He comes to give you another opportunity. He comes to let you know that he loves you and you've got to understand that God loves you so much that he gives gifts without repentance and that you can't do anything so bad that God will fall out of love with you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already knew who you were when he called you so he's not surprised when you act the way he already knew who you were. He picked you just the way you are which means God 
God has destiny for you in the shape you're in because God can never bless who you pretend to be. You got to be who you are. A number of things have happened in this text. His father is dead. Now he's out on his own and his legs are broken. And the next thing the Bible tells us is that he has a baby. And I'm getting through this because I want you to get this whole story. He, he, he doesn't have legs, but somehow he had enough game to get a girl. <laughs> Fellas, you ain't got to be able to walk to get a girl. You just got to know how to spit. He, 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 he got a girl. <laughs> I hear you out there. <clears throat> he, he, he get a girl. Any fly dudes in here today? Any, any? Look, he raises him like me, dog. Me, me. I figured. Say it again. I've been waiting to get here, man. I've been waiting to get here. Listen, so he goes up to this girl. He holler at her. He holler at her. She like, you, 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 you can't walk, but you cute. And, and, uh, and he's, he's like, yeah, you know, don't pay attention to my legs. They end up getting married, and the Bible says they have a baby. Now watch this. I was shocked because his legs don't work, but he did not let the dead part of him speak to the living part of him. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Because even though his legs are broken, his reproductive organs are working. See, what happens is many of us allow what's broken to speak to what's fixed. Many of us allow what's broken to speak to what's working. Do you remember when the Bible says that God goes up to Moses and says, Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go? And Moses says, 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 Lord, I can't. I can't talk to them. I stutter. I, I stutter. God says, I didn't ask you about what you could say. He says, I asked you what was in your hand. Stop giving God excuses about what's broken and start using what works. High five somebody say, I may not have money, but I know how to worship. I may not have connections, but I can get a prayer through. I may not know a whole lot of people, but I know one somebody that can make a way out of no way. Now everybody who loves Jesus make some noise in this place. Now watch this. This is what they're doing to you. You are young. They think and keep making you think that your youth is a handicap. How many times have you ever heard you too young? How many of y'all heard that before? You too young. You don't know none yet. You don't know none yet. And, 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 and that's, that's true to an extent, but God is raising up a generation. He's raising up a young, hungry generation that you may not wear suits and you may not wear ties and you may wear skinny jeans and Chelsea boots, but you know how to pray and get a word from the Lord. Do I have any young people to say, I'm a God chaser? I'm a God chaser. I may not know the hymns, but I know Jesus. I may not know all the songs, but I know God. I may not wear a skirt to church, and I will praise God in these pants, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but I wish I had somebody. I'll praise him at work. I'll praise him at the grocery store. Matter of fact, there ought to be some real people in here saying, I went to the club and found myself singing a church song. Don't y'all act fake with me in here today. Don't act fake with me. Do I have any real Christians? Stop letting 
the lame part of you speak to the living part of you. Okay, your father wasn't there, but you got a spiritual father. Your mother wasn't there, you have a spiritual mother. Your brother wasn't there, you have an elder brother. God always fills in the blanks. He always fills in the pieces and you gotta stop looking at your deficiencies and start looking at your destiny. Don't spend the rest of your life talking about what you didn't have, what you didn't have growing up and what, what God didn't do. He did something. Your loins work even if your legs don't. If, if you can't speak, he asked Moses, he said, Moses, what's in your hand? I didn't ask you what's in your mouth. I, I, I can't speak, God. But the Red Sea won't part because you said it. The Red Sea is going to happen because you pointed it. The Bible says he pointed his rod at the Red Sea and it got up. Now, now, what happens with the rod in Moses' hand? Remember, the Bible says that God told him to throw it down. And when he threw it down, guess what it did? Turned into a snake. And then God told him, pick the snake up by the tail. Now, I ain't, I'm not no genius. <laughs> and God is. And if I was there, I'd have said, God, I just got to ask you one question, man. Uh, why in the world would you instruct somebody to pick a snake up by the tail. Everybody in here knows you don't pick a snake up by the tail. What do you pick a snake up by? By the head. But see, every once in a while, God will ask you to pick it up by the end you can't control. He'll ask you to pick it up by the end you can't control. Because when it's out of control, there is only one person who can get it. Listen. God just waiting on you to trust him. He waiting on you to trust him. I'm lonely, I need a boo. No, God needs you to trust him. Because let me tell you, there are some people who got a boo and they still lonely. The problem with this generation is that we've made our mission to find a mate. Our whole life, we on Instagram with filters and makeup. I'll let your boy, come on and get quiet. You got little stars and hearts all around and bunny rabbit ears and, and filters and, and looking flawless, trying to, trying to make some, that ain't, you got to be the real you. You got to be the real you. You don't want to do rolling up on you thinking your skin flawless and get up there and find out you got acne. You might as well go on and be honest. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me. Everybody who ain't a hater, just slap somebody and say, be honest, be honest, be honest, be honest. Because I'm trying to show you that even though you may have acne and that's the lame part of you, if you got the spirit of God on you, you can tell them, baby, I might got bumps on my face, but when I pray, God will hear me and I'll pray you into your destiny. Somebody shout, I'm anointed. Somebody shout, I'm appointed. Somebody shout, I got favor. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life letting the devil tell me what doesn't work. I'm going to spend the rest of my life using what God gave me. I raised all of my children, but I didn't have a father to raise me. The father that, I, that God gave me, he was the pastor of the church that I grew up in. And yet I did not know he was my father until I was 12. I looked at him every Sunday, tell the church how they should take care of their children, and he was not taking care of me. He died last year, never paying one ounce of child support. Pastor of a mega church, four locations. Had everything going for him, but somehow I was left out of the mix, 
and I could use that as an excuse, that's the lame part of me, and say that I wouldn't raise my daughters because I didn't have anybody to raise me, that's a lame excuse. Because in this world, you should not only learn from people you admire, you should also learn from people who don't teach you. And remember this as long as you live. Remember this as long as you live. You are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. Remember that as long as you live. You got some choices to make. And the choices that you make today, even if you were dropped at five, these choices are going to follow you the rest of your life. And I tell young people this all the time, you've got to be careful because the 20-year-old you, is the, that's the body you're in right now. But can I tell you something? The 40 and 50-year-old version of you is, is depending on the 20-year-old version of you. And the decisions you make today will determine what that 50-year-old will be able to do. So if you just want to party and be lit and be young your whole life, and, then, and, and, and every year, it's amazing, I'm, and I'm going to show you this, this is true, you'll find out. I'm 37, so I'm getting older, but this is something you'll see the rest of your life. Young changes when you get older. Mm -hmm. see, see, right now, young to you is a teenager because you're in your 20s. But see, when you get in your 30s, you're going to change that. Now 20 something going to be young. And then when you get 40, you're going to change that, and 30's going to be young. And 30 is going to always be behind you because you're going to try to stay as young as you can. But the Bible says that he promises us four score and 10, and by good measure, another 10, which means that God only promises us 70 years of life. And if we get grace, another 10, which means half of 70 is what? 35, which means that if you are 35, are, are close to it, you've already lived half of your life. You ain't got time to play. You don't have time to play. You got to get ready right now. You got to start your retirement right now. You got to start thinking about your future right now. You don't have time to wait. And the earlier you get started, the better you will be. And you cannot spend the rest of your life talking about, well, I didn't do it because somebody dropped me. I didn't do it because when I was younger, I didn't have anybody to teach me and I didn't have any, any role models. No longer is that an excuse. Y'all got Google, you got, you got YouTube. It, one of the things that bothers me, Dr. Ralph, one of the things that bothers me the most is when somebody says, uh, Pastor, can you give me a scripture? Why in the world I'm going to give you a scripture? You can Google all of them. You Google everything else. You can find out what a trap house on Google. You can find out... I wish I could step on this. You, 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 you can find out when Bruno Mars is going to be in town. You can find out where, where, where Cardi B going to be. Y'all oh, ain't know I had that in me, huh? You know all of that. But you can't find one scripture on grace. Holler back. Who said, I'm right? He said, you right, you right. So you got to make sure that you understand that God is getting ready to change the sequence. Everybody say the sequence. I mean, how could this be? How, how in the world can a guy who is the son of the first king of Israel, how could he be broke and poor and unknown? It's because God had a plan. And God was getting ready to change the sequence. By the time of Phibosheth, 
was born, by the time he was born, his family had already gone through a decline. The monarchy was already gone. Uh, the name, value, and notoriety had already disintegrated. But here's something that I found interesting. If you go back and read the text carefully, you find out that God had already promised his relatives that he would be blessed. Now, that's interesting because Hebrews 4 and 1 says that God will not forget to give you rest. In other words, whatever promise God makes, he's going to keep it. The four sons of Dr. Ralph and First Lady will always be blessed. You know why? Because they pray for them so much that God has already promised them that they will be fine. And no matter what happens, rest will always come. And many of you in here today, many of you here today, you know why you shouldn't worry? Because you had somebody praying for you way before you were born. Somebody was praying for you, maybe a grandmother or an uncle or an aunt. Somebody was praying for you, and the promises that God promised them are yours. His promises are yes and amen. That means that God will not go back on his word. So if God promised it, it doesn't matter what you do. It is getting ready to come to pass, and I can't wait to tell you this. This is a year of expansion. Things are getting ready to happen in this year for you that you cannot imagine. Give your neighbor a high five and say it's getting ready to happen. Now, this is for all of the women in the house. That woman dropped him. That woman dropped him because women have a tendency to get overwhelmed. Any girl, women talk to me like when too much be happening, you be like, ugh. <laughs> right? When too much is happening, you just want to get. So, so, so she's bathing him and she's doing this and she's doing that. And then she gets the news that the king is dead and she drops him. This is for you young ladies. This, this, is, this is good. Don't miss this. You got a lot on you. You got a lot in your hands. And the devil's going to come with some news in the next five days that's going to try to mess with your mind. The word of the Lord is strengthen your grip. Strengthen your grip. Hold it together. Hold your family together. Hold your mind together. If you have children, hold it together. If you're taking exams, hold it together. If you're in school, hold it together. I don't care if the financial aid looks a little rocky, hold it together. I don't care if the loan is not enough, hold it together. I don't care if your friends are walking away and acting fake and leaving you, hold it together. I don't care if you got to handle it by yourself, hold it together. Don't you let this news that is getting ready to come in the next five days rattle your mind so much that you just forget it all and drop it all. God says, I'm testing your grip now to see if I can give you more to handle. I'm testing your grip right now. You've been asking God for more. God says, I need to see how you handle what you have before I give you what you're asking for. Every woman say, strengthen your grip. Now watch this. David said, is there anyone left? And, and Ziba, a servant of Saul's house, said, yes. He, he, there's a guy, he's in Lodabar. He's in Lodabar. Now that's a town that's desolate. It's out of the way. Nobody goes there. Nobody knows where it is. Everybody there is struggling. It's a poor town, and that's where he is. And David said something that has shocked me. David said, go find him. Go find him. Everybody say, go find him. Do you know that God wants to bless you so bad that he will find you to give it to you? How many of you said, oh my God, we, we, and this is what happens in every small town I go to, even though this is the capital, there are places like Toronto with millions of people, right? And you'll hear people say, um, we're in Ottawa, so 
uh, uh, we can't grow like they can there. Uh, we're in Ottawa and, and things don't happen here like they happen there. God says, I don't care where you live. I'll find you on the side of a road. <clears throat> I'll find you anywhere. Somebody say, God will find you anywhere. And I don't know where you live. I don't know where you abide. I don't know where you stay. I don't know where you come from. But I do know God has the best GPS system ever made. And that if God puts your name in the GPS system, he will allow his blessing to find you. And if you want to know what the GPS address is, it is Psalms 23 and the street is yours. And goodness and mercy shall follow you all of the days of your life. I came to tell you, Canada, that God told me to tell you that goodness and mercy is getting ready to track you down. God says, I'm going to send blessings. And even though you may be in hiding, I'm going to make sure that the blessing kicks the door in, knocks the door down, knocks the insecurity down, knocks the rejection down, knocks the mindset down that tells you you're not enough. And I'm going to make that blessing come into your house and I'm going to make you blessed. Somebody say God's going to make you blessed. And when God finishes with you in this season, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and you cannot even imagine what God is about to do with your life. So don't let your youth, don't let your youth trick you. God has a habit of using young people. In fact, he was young when his daddy used him. You remember he was 12 years old teaching doctors and lawyers. Then he disappeared for 18 years. 30, he comes to a wedding at Cana of Galilee. I love that story because God loves us so much that even if we don't have enough, he still comes to the wedding. They ran, they ran out of wine, but it didn't keep Jesus from coming. See, some of us are like, y'all ain't got no, oh, I ain't coming. You, you don't got no wine, I ain't going. Right? Right? I'm not going to a party where there is nothing of what I came for. How many of you would go to the mall if they didn't have any clothes? Who would go to the club if it wasn't no music? Who would go to church if there was no worship? Who would go to a beautician if they didn't have hair? Who would go? <laughs> Who would go get a manicure if they didn't have dip and powder and shellac or whatever y'all use? I don't know how this stuff. But who would go? Because the, what's that? Oh, I thought somebody told me some material because I don't know. I'm just guessing. But but who would go? Nobody would go. And he went anyway. He went looking. He went looking. He went in his house. And said, since I promised you I was going to bless you, I don't care what your circumstances are, I'm going to bless you. I don't care that your father's dead, I'm going to bless you. And I know that your uncle's missing, but I'm going to bless you. And I know you don't know this David guy and you don't trust him, but I'm going to bless you. Everybody just touch three people around you and say, God's going to bless you. 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 And he's coming intentionally to do it. He's coming in tension. It's not going to be an accident. It's not going to just happen. You don't have to say something happened. I'm telling you, it's the work of the Holy Ghost, and he's doing it intentionally and on purpose. Travis Green said he's an intentional God, and God is so intentional that he does it on purpose. Somebody say he's going to do it on purpose. This will not be an accident. You will not become a millionaire by accident. God's going to do it on purpose. Your body's not going to heal, get healed by accident. God's going to do it on purpose. This ministry ain't about to blow up by accident. It's happening because you're doing it. 
on purpose. I'm looking forward to the day that 12 will go from 1,000. And then watch this. Here's the leak. God just put it in my spirit. He said 1,000 to 10,000. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He said one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but 1,000 shall fall at your right hand and another 10,000 shall fall at your side, but none shall come nigh you. In other words, God's saying that the work that I'm getting ready to give you, Pastor Kofi, you're going to need 10,000 to do it. You're going to need 10,000 to do it. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, you're responsible for 10. You're responsible for 10. You're going to win 10 people to Christ this year and 1,000 will become 10,000 and there will be a sound coming from Ottawa that will reach to Germany, that will reach to Ghana, that will reach to Nigeria, that will reach to Ireland, that will reach to Texas. There's a sound. Somebody shout, there's a sound. There's a sound coming from this place, not only from this place, but from this ministry. And God is going to make millionaires come out of this place and you're going to have apps and create technology in this place and it's going to come through the fact that you've been dropped and what you've been through is going to be the fuel that God uses to push you to what you're going to. How many millionaires do I have in the room? That's right. You don't wait until you get it to shout it. You shout it right now. You got to speak those things that are not as though they were. How many business owners are in this place? How many bosses are in this place? How many shot callers in this place? How many people are going to make moves and shifts for God? If I'm talking to you, open up your mouth, stop being cool, and release a sound of worship. Slap your neighbor and say, that's what money feels like. That's what healing feels like. God says, I'm not just going to bless you financially, but I'm getting ready to give some of you all the gift of healing. I'm going to give you the gift of healing. Who am I talking to in this place? Whatever you lay your hands on, God's going to heal. Whoever you pray for, God is going to heal. Some of you are God's going to give the gift of speaking, that when you speak, things are going to happen. I dare a hundred of y'all to open up your mouth right now and begin to speak until something happens. You can speak it in the present, and God will make it happen in the future. Open up your mouth and speak it. Blessings are going to track you down. Look behind you right now. That's a blessing. What you don't know is that person behind you may be your answer. Yeah. Some of y'all know I'm like, uh-uh, there ain't no answer. Look the other way then. See, you don't know. God didn't put y'all next to each other today just because you know each other or just because you got here at the same time or just because of that. God doesn't do it. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, God's original language, there is no word for coincidence. Know that. Coincidence is an English thing. It is not in the original language because God knows nothing just happens. Everything is intentional. The person you're standing next to is intentional. And if you all would connect with one another and, and begin to have conversations about dreams and, and not just Instagram followers and, and have conversations about property and business, that by the time you're 25 and 30 years old, you could already own the land. And, and, and then, oh God, I... Am I, am I helping in this place today? You can already own the land. And then what you'll understand is that what you do in your youth, then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up for your future because you've been prayed for. And now God is expecting you to walk into your destiny. But the problem with most people is they cannot get to destiny because they're too occupied with history. 
We're so stuck in our yesterday that we can't get to our tomorrow. And we're so busy not liking who we are, not recognizing that God made you just the way you are. And every time you change who you are, you miss who God sends because they don't recognize who you pretend to be. When are you going to be happy with yourself? Yes, somebody dropped you, but that was a part of the journey. His condition was dropped. Can I get to the end? His position was table. By the time you get to the text at the end, Mephibosheth is sitting at the table, eating with the king. Oh, God. If he had known that his condition was dropped, but his position would table, he would recognize that he didn't need legs where he was going. Because the one thing a table does is it hides your legs. What you don't know is that what's broken, you never need it. What's non-functioning, you never need it. What you're missing, you never need it. Oh, God. Anybody getting this? Is, is this a, it, it, you, you never needed it. You never needed it. Somebody say you never needed it. You, you may have wanted it, but you never needed it. Nobody can see legs under a table. The part that's broken, God's about to hide it. The part that's broken, God's about to conceal it. The part that's broken, God says you never needed it. Never needed him. You may say, well, yeah, he did. He needed his legs to get to the table. No, there was a guy named Zeba who carried him. Put him at the table. Why? Because God will always send you assistance where you are deficient. He'll always send you assistance where you're deficient. His legs didn't work, but thank God that he had a friend whose legs worked. Do you know what's wrong with us young people? Everybody in your circle got the same problem you have. Oh, God help me in this place. Do you remember the man was at the pool of Bethesda and he says, I have no one to put me in the pool. If he would have read the text like we did, he would have recognized Kofi that who was going to put him in the pool because the Bible says that he was surrounded by lame and halt people. Can I ask you a question? Who's going to put you in the pool when everybody's either blind, dumb, or can't walk? And when you hang around people who have the same condition as you, nobody's getting better. You're all getting sick. When you hang around a circle and a group of guys who are all insecure, you all become more insecure. When you hang around a bunch of jealous girls, then all everybody does is get more jealous. And when you do get advancement, they start hating. Why? Because they're jealous. I don't know who I'm talking to, but your friends may have a problem, but they don't need the same problem you have. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm looking for new friends. Not perfect friends. Stop hanging around people who got the same problem. If you broke, why are all your friends broke? Huh? Come on, talk to me. Will Smith said that you will never go any higher than the five people you're closest to. So my question for you is, if I get your iPhone, because I hope you don't have an Android. If you have an Android, we have an altar call right after church. Any droid users in here? Come on, Father, we'll, we'll pray for you right now. <laughs> and if your screen cracked, go get it fixed, please. 
Yeah, I'm trying to show you. See, when you have an iPhone and a Mac and an iPad, it shares information. That's good with technology, bad in circles. Because if you're an iPad and your friend is a Mac and your other friend is an iPhone, then y'all all got the same operating system. You all got the same information. And the problem with an iPhone is that when it comes to a Samsung, it may not be the same phone, but they always have more capacity. So you need to put a Samsung in your circle. You need that she got it's a Samsung on Rome Road. Look at her right here. She can get more pictures on one of her phone than you got on or you gotta have a whole cloud. She can have them on her phone. She ain't gotta go to no website and type in nothing to get her picture from her boot. It's right on your phone. You got to delete stuff to do Snapchat. Let me delete three videos so I can Holler back at your boy. How many of how many of you had to erase stuff to put stuff on there? Like, oh, my camera won't even come on. Let me just erase about twelve thousand pictures. I noticed something. Oh God, I just noticed something. Everybody, hold up your iPhone or your, whatever you got. Just, I want to show you something. There's, there's something happening that we're not paying attention to. Do you see the symbol on this? It's an apple. Do you see that it has a bite in it? Eve? Are we back in the garden? Are we eating from the forbidden fruit? Are we a generation that's eating ourselves out of house and home? Are we being expelled from our destiny because we are stuck in our history? My daughter had an iPhone and um, I, just, I just hate to see people's screens crack. That just bothers me. I, I, I just think you ought to get it fixed. That's just my opinion. Any, anybody's screen broke, just be honest. Come on. She like, uh, Rev. Uh, I, I pray for you in Jesus' name. Uh, my daughter, um, she drops her phone and she cracks the screen. She brings the phone back home and the phone, and she had a, uh, she begged me for this, for, you know, when it came out with the gold, one. she got this gold iPhone and she came back, the phone was like purple. I said, baby, I didn't know that uh, Apple had purple screens. She said, oh no, I didn't take it to Apple. She said, I took it to one of them, them fix it, you know, them stores that they fix it. I said, well, why would you do that? She said, because Apple charged 150. She said, they only charge 75. I said, um, so you made a $75 decision that cost you $700 worth of value because when you open your iPhone, it specifically says that this phone cannot be operated on by an unverified user. If they are unauthorized, then when they open the phone, the warranty is forfeited. Are you with me so far? It, it, we, are, we all know that to be true? 
So <clears throat> when you take the phone back and try to get a trade in, you ain't gonna get nothing. Because when you let them people touch it, it's no good. Then the Lord spoke to me to tell young people that every time you let somebody touch you that's unauthorized, you lose value. Jesus. Every time you connect in a circle of people that God did not authorize for you to be around, you lose your warranty. You are out of warranty and you lose value. And when you lose value, you use, lose destiny. And when you lose destiny, you lose potential. And when you lose potential, you gain depression. And when you gain depression, you start thinking about suicide. And the devil has you in this place where you're thinking about killing yourself. And it's all because you let somebody touch you that had no business opening you up. I'm praying that you would make sure that you get over every drop of your life. That no matter what has happened, I pray that your parents are living, but if you've lost a parent and you feel abandoned in the world, God needs you. He needs your testimony. If you grew up in the slums and you grew up poor and you didn't have money, it doesn't make you less than anybody who has money. And if you had money, you ain't no better than nobody else. That God has a plan for all of us and that God has a trajectory for all of us and that God wants to use all of us no matter how far you have come from the bottom of the pit. There is a destiny for you and God is waiting on you to introduce yourself to yourself. There's a whole lot of people in Canada who need your testimony. There's a whole lot of people all over the world who need you to come from the field because you're the next king. And even though it doesn't look like it right now, the Bible says that he had been dropped and his legs were lame and he was at the table. but Nobody could see it because even though you're deficient in an area, God loves you so much that he'll cover it up. And he's sitting at that table. And I'm going to tell you one more thing for all of you all who are trying to figure out where do you fit in this story. You may not be Mephibosheth, but you may be Zeba. Zeba carried him to the table. See, everybody wants to be first, but sometimes God blesses second. Zeba wasn't the man, but he assisted the man who had the, the oil on his life. And, and watch what happens. The Bible says that after the blessing is released on Mephibosheth, because Zeba helped him, God made sure that when he got the land, that there was enough for all 20 of Zeba's children. When you serve somebody who God has blessed, you secure a blessing for your whole family. Let me get all, of, all you brothers on this first row to come up here real quickly, real quickly. And I'm going to show you all something and we're going to hop up here real quickly. Everybody, face this wall. Face this wall. Single file line. So this is, this is where a lot of you all are in your life right now. You're in the back of the line, right? You, 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 you try to have confidence, but that's just, it's a facade because... Insides, you really don't feel as secure as you talk. You don't. And I want to do an altar call because I, I don't want to pray for who you pretend to be. I want to pray for who you really are. 
That sometimes you don't like the way you look, sometimes you don't like what you have, sometimes you don't like the way you dress, you don't like your body, you don't like your hair, a lot of things you don't like about yourself. And, and we all try to get in public and act like we're just fine and everything is okay, but the truth is we're struggling inside and we're praying and asking God to reveal our future to us. Some of y'all don't have the job that you want, you don't have the income that you want, you thought you should be further ahead by now, you're behind in school, you're behind on payments, life is a mess, you don't like the car you drive, or perhaps you don't have transportation at all and you're in the back of the line. And all of these people up here seem to be doing better than you and you're trying to figure out how is he doing better than me because I know what he does, he's worse than I am. And how, how is he in the position he's in because I go to church more than he does and I'm not even blessed. And you're back here, but what you don't know is that God changes the sequence. That God has a different order. The Bible says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now everybody turn around and face me. This is how simple it is for God to take you from the back of the line to the front of the line. Notice, I didn't have to take anybody's position to be first. I didn't have to move anybody. I didn't have to hate on anybody. I didn't have to lie on anybody. I didn't have to post on anybody. I didn't have to comment on nobody. All I had to do was wait on God to change the wind. All I had to wait on was God to change the wind. And sometimes we don't recognize, when I got here, when I, when I landed in Washington, the wind was blowing so fast and everybody was complaining about the wind and I, and I thought, look at how God, look at how God works. Our flight landed 20 minutes early because the same wind they were complaining about was the same wind that pushed our plane faster. The same wind that they, they were worried about their hair blowing and, and everything was blowing over at the airport and I was up there thanking God because that western wind made sure that our flight could get here early enough to make sure that I wouldn't miss my connection in Washington to get here on time because the weather was bad. And sometimes you'll be complaining about a wind and you don't know God is using it to push you. He's using that wind to push you. And I don't know what your wind is. Maybe your wind is insecurity. Maybe your wind is molestation. Maybe your wind is rejection. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you have an anger problem. Maybe Maybe you have a jealousy issue. Maybe you feel resentful and insecure, but whatever it is, I wanted to see if I could fly here today to find some honest people who will come to the altar and let me pray for you and say, God, I feel dropped. I feel dropped. I feel like I should be further along. I feel like I feel broken. I feel upset. I feel like I should be further along. If that's you, I want you to meet me up here. If, if you're not too scared, if you're not too scared, if you'll be honest, if you'll be honest. The Bible says that some things only come by fasting and praying. God wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. As young as you are, you don't have to get too far. Thank you, brothers. As young as you are, you don't have to get too far before you turn around. You're young enough to make that U-turn. Now watch this. When I say U-turn, in America, they have specific places <clears throat> where they have these big U's on the freeway and you can turn around right in the middle of the street. It's not illegal. But when I say U-turns, I'm not talking about Y-O or, or U-turns. I'm talking about Y-O U-turns. That God will allow you, you to turn around right in the midst of it. 
that the moment you get it, you can say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm, I'm turning around. I, I'm, I'm going about this the wrong way. I'm going about this the wrong way. I've been making fun of people to feel better about myself. I've been hanging around a group of girls that, that, that don't treat people right, but, but, but I'm only doing that because it's the only circle I can fit in. I'm not really like that at my heart, I'm, but I can't find anybody like me. I can't find anybody who's genuine like me or, or, like, or like you. I'm a, I'm a brother and I, and I like to have swag, but I also love God. I can't find nobody who think it's cool to love God like I do. And so I hang around sometimes people who may not love God like I do because somebody dropped me. And I can tell you, many a nights, I have gone through the same pain. The life that I've lived, I wish I had time to tell you. About how my mother used to put water in the bathtub and all four of us had to take baths in the same water. I wish I could tell you about the times that my mother couldn't bring food home for us to eat. She worked at Taco Bell, so what she would do and she would grab up all of the food that they didn't eat at the end of the day and bring it home and that was our dinner every day for years. We had no cars. Six of us living in the house, two bedrooms. I shared a room with four girls. Can you imagine? I don't know how I'm still alive. We had one bathroom in the house with five women. I used to have to take baths two days ahead of time to get ready. We used to have to boil water on the sink, I mean on the stove. We used to have boil water and then pour it in the tub with cold water just so it could be, you know, kind of decent. My sister and I, the one that's closest, her name is Kiana, my name is Keon. <laughs> so my mother couldn't afford to buy both of us clothes, so guess what, she would buy one set of clothes and we both had to wear the same clothes. Now I ain't dressing like no girl, so she dressed like a dude. Cause I wasn't gonna dress like her. What, what I look like with a halter top on and a spaghetti strap. I can't do that. <laughs> so she dressed like a guy. All through high school. This is, this is not when we were little. All through high school, her and I wear the same clothes. Now, you, you take me from that. You take me from that with no car, no money, no food, no clothes, insecure, no father, mother on welfare, food stamps, all of that. That's then that was my condition does this make sense so far that was my condition luckily I had a little swag and I still do and luckily that I, I could play basketball and I still can if anybody want to try me I can see some of y'all looking at me now you don't want none I'm telling you right now I had a little alright alright you better tie them shoes boy we had we, 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 I played basketball, got a full ride basketball scholarship, played my way through Division I basketball, went over to Israel, Tel Aviv, played semi-pro football. The Lord took it from me. I remember like it was yesterday, I had a tryout with the Utah Jazz, declared myself for the NBA draft, and, uh, and uh, my coach said to me, he says, you're trying to do this preaching thing. He said, you're going to have to make a decision. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to play basketball. I said, coach, that's an easy decision. I said, I was baptized at six. I've been loving God my whole life. I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's an easy decision. I'm going to play basketball. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to play basketball. And I'm going to, listen, I swear to you, this is a true story. It's in the newspaper. I got it on my wall now. And I said, I'm going to play basketball. And after I get done making millions of dollars, I'm going to buy God a church and we'll be even. I said that at 4.30 
in the afternoon. By 8.30 that evening, I was on a stretcher on my way to the hospital. I tore every ligament in my left knee that same day. Basketball career over. Because how many of you know when God wants your attention? That was my condition. But here is my position. Now, I've taken all of that and I wrote it in a book. And just yesterday, I got a call from my publisher. I got a call from the publisher, got a book deal to write about the story with a six-figure advance. That's my position. My position is now that we started a church with five people eight years ago, and now there are over 10,000 members in the church. My position is that we've got over $10 million worth of real estate. My position is, is now my mother lives with me and her bedroom is bigger than the house that we grew up in. My position. My position is that I bought my mom a Benz for Christmas and she never had a new car in her entire life. My mom just turned 65 and just got her first new car because of my position. Can I ask you a question before I pray for you? Can you survive your condition until God reveals to you your position? Can you hold on and get the suicidal thoughts out of your mind and stop thinking about taking pills and, and ending your life and cutting your wrists just to get out because you don't want to deal with the pain. If you deal with the pain, somebody will pay you for it. If you deal with the pain, somebody will say, you know what, can you write that in the book and I'll give you $300,000 to start. If, if you'll just deal with it long enough and not quit, be not weary in your well-doing. For you will reap a harvest if you faint not. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this group of young people. It's, it's, it's an amazing glory in this room. They come from everywhere, from every place. Different socioeconomic statuses, different neighborhoods, different ethnicities. But God, you change not. We thank you that you don't see black or white, that you don't see Jew nor Gentile, that you don't see Hispanic or Oriental or Asian, that you don't see rich or poor, that you don't see tall or short. You don't judge us by how we look. You judge us by how we are on the inside. And God, we ask that, like David, that you are creating us a clean heart and that you are renewing us a right spirit. And God, that you will use this group of young people to change this country. In a country, God, where they say only 6% are Christian, Thank you, God, that there is still a ram in the bush, that there are still young people who are hungry for God, that there are young people who are still fighting the good fight of faith, that there are young people who are not afraid of their faith and they're not afraid of the gospel. And God, protect them as they proclaim their faith. Allow no weapon to be formed against them and allow every lying tongue that is raised up against them be condemned. And God, I pray that you would put money in their hands, ideas in their minds, businesses in their hearts, God, that you would heal their parents and that you would even bless their unborn children, that you would not allow them to even date anybody who doesn't believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life, God. We pray that their college professors would have the spirit of the Holy Ghost, God, that everything that touches them would be blessed and that everywhere they feet tread, God, that you would give it to them. Give them houses that they did not build. Give them vineyards that they did not plant God and give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness God lift the spirit of suicide in this place
and maybe they may not have it, but they are connected to friends who can, who've, who've contemplated it. And God give them the words to minister to that friend who wants to end it all. God, we ask that you would do it in this place and create a revival and an explosion at this church. In the bridge, God, that they, that they would, I don't know why you, yes, Holy Ghost, thank you for the bridge. Thank you, God, that you're connecting continents through this ministry. That you're connecting continents, God, that you are connecting pathways for the Holy Ghost to travel from, from country to country from this place and let a noise and a sound come from this ministry that vibrates so loud that heaven notices. And do it, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. If you love the Lord, I want you to spend the next 30 seconds giving him some praise. Come on, open up your mouth. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.